Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to City Game, your Brooklyn Nets podcast on WFAN and Radio.com. Here's your host, Steve Lichtenstein. And hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Season 3 opener of the City Game podcast, the show for Brooklyn Nets fans. I'm Steve Lichtenstein of WFAN.com, and folks, I'm dreading that as I'm recording this, I'm going to be woge-bombed. This is day two of the NBA offseason, and the Nets kind of everyone's talking point. You know, the James Harden rumors are still a thing, so who knows what's up GM Sean Marks' sleeve. And like Marks, you folks saw the packages going out for guys like Drew Holiday, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Robert Covington, and many of you shuddered, thinking back to the aftermath of the infamous KG Paul Pierce blockbuster back in 2013 and praying that never happens to the Nets again. However, there are plenty of sides to this and I'll be getting one of them from my favorite returning guest, the great Greg Logan of Newsday, who will be joining me in a little bit. Also be talking a little bit about Wednesday's draft and what the Nets should be doing going forward. So, welcome back folks. Enjoy the episode on Radio.com, Stitcher, and a few other platforms. And for those who want this podcast back on Apple, I've been told that I need to get a few episodes in the bank before that process can begin again. So let's get this started with my take on the whole Harden situation. And it's pretty much what I already posted on my Twitter feed, which is Steve, L-I-C-H-T-E-N-S-T-1, by the way. And it goes something like this, you know, how about we all wait and see what the details are before rushing to judgment? James Harden's one of the top five players in the NBA. So is Kevin Durant before the Achilles injury. Kyrie Irving is probably still, what, top 15, top 20? 
So you get Harden in the right deal, you go get him. Period. End of story. And for those who think that there aren't going to be enough basketballs to satisfy everyone, you're, you're only fractionally correct. Remember, NBA game is 48 minutes. And let's say Harden and Kyrie average 32 minutes a game, you know, not to mention all the games that the injury-prone Irving could miss outright. Let's just say, for this purpose, 32 minutes a night. That means Harden plays 16 minutes without Kyrie, and Kyrie plays 16 minutes without Harden, approximately. And that leaves 16 minutes a game where you worry about who initiates the offense. Now, you know, that could very well likely be the most important minutes of the game, you know, meaning fourth quarter crunch time. But, you know, the overlap isn't as stressful as many people are inclined to think. And remember also that fourth quarter play tends to be more iso-dominant as that's where opposing teams work their hardest to defend initial actions. Really, I think having the Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni system will work just fine you know, for a Nets offense that features these three stars, I mean, you have to go back to what? LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh in Miami before you find a team that can match that kind of firepower? Now, of course, getting hardened, you know, comes at great cost. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, you know, three players really groomed in the Brooklyn culture. You know, they'd all have to go. And so will Tory and Prince, you know, to make the money work. And, of course, a boatload of picks. You know, I joked that if Holiday garnered three ones and two swaps, you know, what would Harden fetch? Picks and swaps for the rest of the decade? Well, that's where the details come in. You know, for instance, if the Nets could also have P.J. Tucker included, if some of those picks and swaps have fair protections in the later years... Yeah, I'd give up whatever it took to get the trade done. Nets have a two-year window to bring home a championship in this KD Kyrie era. After that, the two stars have opt-outs in their contracts. You see Milwaukee loading up for this season. You know, I guarantee you Miami and Boston will still be formidable. You know, these are the teams the Nets have to compete against. But you're going to tell me that a lineup of KD, Kyrie, Harden, Tucker, and DeAndre Jordan with Harris on the bench couldn't get it done? Now, before we get to Greg, let me just explain why I'm enamored with Tucker. You know, the Nets, in my opinion, they, they don't need another guy who has to have the ball in their hands. And Tucker is perfectly content to stand in the corners and take his three to five three-pointers a game at a league average efficiency. He'll do all the dirty work, defend every position, won't cause problems. I'd really rather the Nets get him than Serge Ibaka. To me, he's really a five at this stage. Maybe you could play him at the four against select teams like the Lakers when they go big. So, again, the picks. I mean, it can be hard to turn the page, but that's what teams that want to go for it do. I know it's no guarantee. We've seen that. Of course not. But I think it has to be done here. It's time this team moves on from the development stage to going for something bigger. Otherwise, what was the point of last season's haul? To get a three or four seed and win a round or two? Think bigger. As it is, I don't 
see the, these nets advancing all that far. I really don't. And honestly, I have no idea who's out there, you know, other than Harden, that's realistically available, you know, who can make that kind of difference. And don't say Bradley Beal. Yes, he's an all-star, no doubt, but don't compare him to Harden, who, you know, he's a much better defender and passer than he's given credit for, you know, when he's engaged. So, you know, that's where I stand. And I guess now it's time for an opposing point of view. So let me bring in the venerable Greg Logan of Newsday, who's been very active on Twitter these days with regard to this topic. And let's hear what Greg has to say. My first guest in this new season is the man I definitely wanted to have after going over his Twitter feed. It's the great reporter from Newsday, Greg Logan. Greg, thank you so much for joining me in the season opener of the City Game Podcast. How have you been? Steve, you are too kind. <laughs> I've been great, and uh, I'm up and running and, and ready to, to hit the ground running with the Nets. All right. Well, you know what I want to talk about because you have been the, I don't want to say somewhat of a contrarian about the potential trade for James Harden. Uh, give me your number one reason why you think this is a really bad move. Well, personally, I just think the chemistry would be all wrong between Harden and Kyrie Irving in particular. You know, not only just Harving and Kevin Durant, but Harden and Irving, because they both pound the ball and they both, uh, you know, are used to having it in their hands and, and initiating the offense. So to me, it seems like a bad move. But... Uh, I spoke to a uh, an NBA source today who is way more informed than I am about the intricacies of NBA basketball, and uh, and he told me he thinks it's a good move. So you know, I would trust his opinion over mine any day, but you know, just. Just from my viewpoint, I just don't like the uh, I don't like the chemistry aspect of the whole thing. Is it more aesthetics or is it really chemistry? Because you do have to remember a couple of things. You know, assuming they both play 32 minutes a game, that means there'll be 16 minutes where Harden is on the court without Kyrie, at 16 minutes where Kyrie is on the court without Harden, and of course, never mind all the games Irving typically misses in a season because he's injured. <laughs> so you're really talking about 16 minutes a game where they might be playing together, um, you know, including the, you know, the most important minutes in the last quarter. But is it really the aesthetics of that? Or are you, re are you really worried that, you know, when the game comes down to isolation, that they're just not going to fit? Well, Steve, that's, that is a, an absolutely great observation on your part. Uh, you know, maybe I wasn't really considering the fact that they're not always on the court together and could be split up, you know, sometimes Harden with Durant, sometimes Irving with Durant, whatever. <clears throat> but definitely in the fourth quarter, you know, it just makes me, just makes me one. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess if you want to call it aesthetics, 
I don't like the look of it. That's true. That's true. But, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, I just, I just have concerns about ball movement because I think that's a crucial thing in the kind of offensive system the Nets are going to play under Steve Nash. The ball has got to move. But do we really know that? Because when, you know, D'Antoni is, Mike D'Antoni is still the assistant. Steve Nash is going to lean on him a lot for the offense. And the ball, while the ball moved under D'Antoni in Houston, the people didn't move. And I think with the Nets, you know, Irving isn't a cutter, Durant isn't a cutter, and whoever they have at, you know, at the four probably won't be doing an awful lot of cutting. So it may be more looking like what Houston had when Harden and Eric Gordon played together, for instance. Right. Where there's a lot of drive and kicks, but the other guys were in their spots. Do you think it would be like that? Well, you you could be very right about that. I, but I don't know. I just something about <clears throat> the uh, the notion. I, I mean, w- when Harden has the ball, he pounds the the heck out of the dribble. You know, I mean, he just holds it and holds it and holds it, and that has always bothered me. He 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 works even when when he comes down with the ball, he just works for his shot. And uh, that has always bothered me. So, uh, you know, that's kind of a, a negative, I think. But, you know, he's a, he is a great player. I mean, obviously, he's a leading scorer in the league for the past three years. Uh, but, you know, the usage aspect of it uh, bothers me as far as the uh, Nets are concerned because they have great players around him. So, could he adjust? Maybe he could. My uh, my friend tells me, my my NBA source tells me that he's a very smart player and also that he's a better uh, defender than people realize and a passer. Because I know you've gotten on him on your Twitter feed for you know passing. He I think he led the league in assists once. I mean he has the ball all the time. Yes, but he does. Yeah. He well, does he does. Pass that, that's a statistical thing, you know. I mean, if he's going to hold the ball that much, and if he's going to shoot that much, guys are going to be open around him. Somebody, somebody on my Twitter feed had, had a great thing about talking, talking about how if the Nets had Harden, Irving, and Durant on the floor, Joe Harris is going to be wide open every time. <laughs> so, so there's there's something to that, and. Uh, and so he's going to get his his level of assist. There's no doubt about that as long as guys knock down shots. But uh but still I I I just want to see I just want to see if he can get here and if he joins the Nets, you know, he's just got to understand he can't hold the ball the way he did in Houston. Well, uh, I wanted to get to something else you mentioned on Twitter and you didn't respond to my question, which is a lot of the judgment of this deal comes down to the details. I mean, we just saw the, the Bucks give up their whole future for yeah. two guys. Exactly. Jeru Holiday, they gave up all the three number ones for Jeru Holiday. I, I, I suggested that 
you know, the, the Nets for Harden would have to give up picks and swaps for the rest of the decade, right? Oh, that's, that, it, it would just be crazy. Right. But also, I do think that, you know, I know the Houston or- owner is feeling it financially and whether yes. or not, you know, his uh, political opinions are weighing in on players wanting to leave that organization. Uh, but I would be more inclined to favor a deal that included a PJ Tucker type player. I know Covington is gone already, uh, but a guy who doesn't need the ball, smart, can defend any position. You know, you include him in the deal, and I I could swallow a, a, a boatload of picks for Harden and Tucker. What is you? What is your opinion? Well, I I saw that tweet from you, and uh, and I did. You didn't respond. Uh, well, sorry. <laughs> I I do think PJ Tucker is is a very good player, a very useful uh, asset. Uh, you know, I just maybe it's just a personal level. I would hate to see Karis LeVert leave, but you know, he would have to leave in any kind of deal like this. You know, of course, Dinwiddie would leave, uh, LeVert, and almost certainly Jarrett Allen as well. Uh, so, you know, that's a, that's, that's their uh, guys that they've developed over the past few years. So that, that would be tough to see them go because I think those three are good enough to support Irving and Durant right now and keep the Nets as, as title contenders. I, I just – I, I'm looking forward to seeing Levert continue uh, to develop, but you know, you might be right. Yeah, I mean, they might have to give up all those guys, and uh, and if if the Nets could, if they're going to have to package picks with them, <clears throat> then you know, a PJ Tucker would be a very nice uh, asset to include in any deal. Yeah, well. We, I personally think Dinwiddie and Jared Allen will be traded at some point this season. I can't say it's going to be now, but I, I can't see how the Nets are going to be uh, really going over the cap for those guys when at this point Dinwiddie is, a, I don't want to say superfluous, but uh, because, again, of it, Irving's injury, but his value probably right now is going to be at its peak because he's coming off a 20-point-per-game season. I, I, totally, I totally agree with you on Dinwiddie. Totally yeah. agree with you. Jared Allen from his play in the bubble, but you know, I, I still always worry with him whether he has that inner beast inside him where he can, he can turn it up another level. Because, again, we saw in the playoffs – you know, he may have had some good statistical numbers because he was on the court, but, you know, the Nets do get bullied inside when he's on the floor. Well, you know, I, I, I agree with you on Dinwiddie. I, I think he's a goner uh, as much as I like him, and I don't want to see him go. He's he's definitely going to be moved this year. Uh, Allen, I just – Maybe I like him too much on a personal level. <laughs> Again, we, we both agree that the Nets yeah. under Sean Marks 
have gotten a, a boatload of people who, you know, are good people. You know? They have some great guys. They really do. I, but I, I understand your concern about Allen, but there's just been so many games when, you know, he totally came to the fore. He, he was up there. He was blocking shots. He was rebounding. He was active. You know, I mean, I'm not, you talk about being a beast, you know, he's not that game in and game out. Uh, and there have been players who have been able to bully him. Uh, but, you know, he's very young. He's very young. What is he, 21? Uh, I just think he's going to get better and better. He's got a long time to go, and I would hate to see them give up on him, but – if they make the deal for Harden, they'll have to. Yeah, well, also, if they don't trade him, they're going to either have to pay him $20 million or, uh, or watch him walk, you know, because he'll be a free agent after the season. Well, personally, I think he's going to be a $20 million player. I really do. Yeah, well, there's questions there. Uh, I wanted to move on to another free agent, and that's Joe Harris. And I think we both agree that the Nets have to re-sign him. <clears throat> no doubt about it. Me, uh, Morph, because it would be terrible asset management to let him to allow him to oh. walk when they oh. traded him. He, he yeah. wants to be with him too. Yeah. But how how concerned are you that a Hawks type team, a Knicks type team, will really give him an Otto Porter type? Maybe not necessarily that size but enough of a difference that Harris says you know what I have to really think about this how worried are you about that honestly I don't think he's going to get an auto porter offer uh but he's going to get he's going to get good money and I just think the Nets have to be be prepared to match it and you know fortunately for them they have a billionaire owner in Joe Sy and I think they will do whatever they have to do to keep him so that's my uh, philosophy on that. Uh, I don't think they're going to go totally crazy. Well, you is know. that over or under fifteen million? I I say I would say I think he'll settle for under fifteen million. I mean, let let's let's be real. You and I, fifteen million. <laughs> we'd we'd absolutely take it in a heartbeat. You know, it's not like. It's not like he's ever going to be poor again. <laughs> yes, but I, I, and I think he, I think he really wants to be with the Nets. I think he really wants to play with Durant. You know who wouldn't? Oh, I'm sure that's part of it. Uh, I I want to move on now to the draft, which is tomorrow night, as we're recording this on Tuesday morning. Uh, I wrote a piece about the Nets have to trade it because I don't see a 19th overall pick helping in the window, you know, this two-year window where Irving and Durant are under contract before they can opt out. So what do you think will be the plan? Do you think it's, it's, it's someone that Marks is going to continue to draft and develop, or are we out of that stage? Can we be out of that stage where we're hoping that every draft pick is developed? You know, I, I don't know. Uh, I've been looking at this, and I'm looking at the guys who are around their pick. I'm looking at power forwards. Our, our NBA columnist, uh, Steve Popper, picked a point guard, Terrell 
Tyrell Terry. I mean, how ridiculous would that be? You you haven't traded Dinwiddie yet. You have Kyrie Irving. You have well, but I but I think they're going to trade Dinwiddie, so they would need you know somebody uh, you know there to back up Irving, that type of thing. You know, so I, I could see that. I could actually see that. I mean, I'm mainly looking at power forwards. Uh, and and I don't really know these guys. You know, I know Precious Ashua because his brother, his big brother, played for St. John's when I covered them. And, uh, you know, I know he's a good defender. He's a solid guy, but he's only – he's still only 6'9". But, uh, yeah, you might be right. You might be right. They might have to uh, – package the pick in a trade and and quite honestly you know that could be part of a uh, of any hardened trade if they're going to move right away uh but personally i don't think houston is ready to trade harden before the draft i just i don't think that's going to happen so if that's not going to happen then i don't know what the nets do I, I, unless I don't know all the financial rules, but if they would package that for Sergey Ibaka uh, and that would help him to get more than the mid-level exception, I would do that in a heartbeat. Well, yeah, they would have to trade, you know, they, in order for Ibaka to get more than the mid-level exception, the Nets would have to send out uh, you know, less than 125% of Ibaka's new salary and a sign and trade, and then the Nets would be hard capped. So there's all kinds of issues with there. Although some people are reporting that Abaca is willing to take the taxpayer mid-level. See, see, that's the thing. Somebody I, I read the other day where he's made $130 million in his career. So it's not like he's ever going to be hurting again. You know, and if he he's called KD, he said he's – spoken of key KD as being like a brother. So if that's the way he feels, you know, and he wants to come to Brooklyn and play with KD, you know, maybe he would, maybe he would do it for, you know, we can call it chump change, but you know, 18 million over three years is still pretty decent money. <laughs> yeah. But also that would, also mean uh, exit papers for Jared Allen. Uh, oh, no doubt. No doubt. So I don't know how, you know, how much you would favor that kind of move. Is that something? I love, I love Ibaka. I, you know, I know he came off the bench the past couple of years for the Raptors, but he, to me, he's a difference maker. And, you know, he plays both ends of the court. I freaking love Ibaka. And I think, you know, he would be, exactly what the Nets need as as a power forward. And he, he, he can hit three-pointers. Oh, yeah. He, I thought he was the better player over Gasol. All oh, the players. Of all absolutely. The players. I, absolutely. I, I, I know Nick Nurse was godlike in, term, in the coaching circles, but yes. I, that was a little bit of a mistake, not giving Ibaka more of a run. Maybe he was – maybe it was a uh, conditioning type uh, – limitation but i thought he he was when he was on the court against the nets i thought he the, the raptors were much more dangerous on both ends oh, 
he he was he was a killer on the court. You know, I I totally agree with your opinion. And you know, hey, Nick Nurse knows way more than either of us, but you know, we're entitled to our opinion. <laughs> I am one hundred percent behind you. All right. Well, I'm always in your corner, Greg. I think you're a great person, <laughs> great writer. Greg Logan of Newsday, everybody, on the season opener of the City Game Podcast. Thank you, Greg. I wish I could say I'm going to see you real soon. Uh, It's killing me. I've been covering the Nets. This will be my ninth season, and they finally have a team that's capable of winning a championship, and I can't go. I got to – Oh, well, let's hope hope that at least the media gets to go to the games at Barclays Center. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but you, you're going to be on. You're going to be doing the interviews on Zoom anyway, right? They're not going to let. True, you. true. That's that's what. And my paper says, you know, there's no advantage to going if you can get them all on Zoom. <laughs> right. That's fortunately new world we're living in. Thank you again, Thanks. Greg. I will talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you very much, Steve. I enjoyed it. Thank you again to Greg Logan of Newsday. Always a treat to talk to him about the Nets. Interesting discussion of where the Nets will go, Harden or otherwise. We both agree that Joe Harris remains the organization's top free agent priority, though he's much more bullish than me, especially when it comes to guys like Allen. You know, if Marks opts to otherwise stand pat and run it back. And you know what? I just realized I forgot to ask Greg about the move Marks did make. And that's dealing Zanin Musa and a second-round pick to Detroit for guard Bruce Brown. I guess that he's good with that like I was. I mean, Musa clearly wasn't progressing here, and Brown can help solve some of the Nets' perimeter defense concerns. I know Musa is still young, but let's not ignore the fact that he couldn't even get into the rotation with the dreck the Nets sent to the Orlando bubble. I mean, that says a lot about where his game is at right now. Maybe he gets it together in Detroit. So I kind of knew that the Nets weren't going after Holiday when the Brown trade leaked out. And I still think the Nets, assuming the Harden trade is a fantasy, need to get bigger and defend better. And unless Prince rebounds from what I think is an off year, that means they need another big wing and a stretch four, which they've needed since forever. Maybe Durant can recruit someone better than Michael Beasley. I mean, that's the added benefit of having a Kevin Durant. You know, how so many players around the league want to play with him. That's, you know, this is the time to use that to maximum advantage. I mean, it's what keeps me glued to my Twitter feed all day. Anyway, before I sign off, I guess I should talk a little bit about the draft, even if I don't believe the Nets should be picking for themselves in Wednesday's first round. However, you know, as I wrote in my column on WFN.com yesterday, there's always that possibility with Sean Marks. You never know with him. You could use the pick on anyone, really. I mean, I'm not sure if there will be anyone available who can help this team right away, but I guess he could conceivably find another Lavert or Allen. Or, you know, he might go for one of the 19-year-olds or a Eurostash. Again, who, who knows? You know, I joked in the column that you could probably count on one hand the number of times an expert nailed one of his prior four first-round picks in a mock draft. But, you know, I'm going to try anyway, just in case. And I'm predicting Josh Green, the wing from Arizona. 
fills a need, checks all the boxes in terms of measurables, athleticism, switchability. Plus, his parents are Australian. And maybe the New Zealand-born Marks has a soft spot for the area. I'm just kidding. Look, Green might not shoot well enough to help a ton right away. But, you know, I could see the Nets putting him in their program to develop his skill set. I believe he had an interview with the Nets. But we'll have to see if Marks came away from that meeting with, you know, what he said before taking Levert in 2016. Remember, that's a Brooklyn Net. And that's a wrap for the season opener of the City Game Podcast. I'd like to thank Greg Logan of Newsday again for a terrific special guest spot. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, my apologies for the continuation of the Apple snafu. Please bear with me. However, I wish I could say things are looking brighter on the COVID-19 front. Of course, now that the Nets appear to be legitimate postseason threats, won't be able to go to any of the games for the first time in their nine seasons in Brooklyn. And that means I won't have access to, you know, the exclusive player quotes and my guest list will be more limited. So my plan for the podcast, I'm just going to do the best I can in terms of bringing you the content you want to hear about your favorite basketball team. That's all I could do. And I hope that's good enough. And we can continue our chats throughout what promises to be a fascinating net season. So with that, I ask that you stay safe. And until next time, I'm Steve Lichtenstein of WFN.com saying thank you for listening to the season opener of the City Game Podcast.